Hello and welcome to this message from the room. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the But to get started this morning, you know what? I'm going to start out with prayer. I always start with prayer before I do anything. So if you just bow your heads with me, we're going to go to the Lord real quick. Dear Lord Father, we thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to speak to your people this morning. I pray, God, that you would give us listening ears and hearts. And, God, we would be in tune to what you want to tell us this morning. God, nothing on this paper is done by me, God, but it's all done through you and your spirit. And I pray that that would just flow in this room this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Every one of us, oh, title of my sermon, it's up there, provoked to purpose. <laughs> I, I don't like using slides, but it's behind me. Provoked to purpose. Every one of us at one time or another has been pushed beyond our limits in life. There are times when we struggle with the closed door, failure, heartaches, and pain that come all of a sudden. No matter what your condition, what your setback, God uses all your circumstances to thrust you to your purpose. Psalms 37, 23, and 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I do apologize. I am an old King James preacher, so I apologize now. <laughs> Some of these words, though, they're going to be out there a little bit, but you'll get the gist. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What God is saying is even if you have difficult times in your life, God has ordered these days and it will push you to your future if you were God's child. I do not know, I do not know what phase in life you are going through today, but I'm here to tell you that God is using every minute detail of your life to provoke you to your destiny. You are too good a creation for God to waste, to let your life go to waste. And some areas, we're going to focus on some areas in our life this morning where God thrust us to our destiny. There's three different areas we're going to focus on today. The first one is our circumstances. God sometimes works through our circumstances to thrust us to our purpose. In Deuteronomy 32, 11, it says, Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft, the Lord alone led him. Once the eaglets come to a level of maturity, the eagle disturbs its nest. I love this idea. I don't know how many of you have ever heard this, but eagles, what they do is they create this grand nest for the, for the baby eaglets, okay? And what happens is, is these eaglets are, they, it's usually up really high. I mean, they're protected from everything. And what happens is as the eaglets grow up, the mom begins to pull things out of the nest, the mom will come along and she'll take twigs out and cotton out or whatever that's in there. She starts pulling it out. And what happens is she starts to disturb the nest where the eaglets are, are uncomfortable. They don't want to be in it anymore. And it comes to a place where there's so much pulled out and they're so uncomfortable that eventually if they don't get the idea that they got to leave the nest, she just pulls the nest apart and they drop. God, our circumstances, sometimes what happens is we think we're comfortable, we think we're safe, and God will pull the floor out from under us. But it's not to harm us. The mother eagle doesn't want to harm the eaglets. She's just teaching them that they need to go out and do it. Amen? Amen. They need to get out there and do what they're... They were born to be eagles. They were born to soar. And they got to get out of their comfort zone to do that. Job in the Bible was a very successful man. He was a God-fearing man, great family, wonderful life, and great business. 
Job once said in Job 29, 18, Then I said, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. He was very comfortable where he was, and he wanted to just end his life in success. He had received, he had received. God had purposed something better and more for Job. We all, our majority of us should know the story of Job. God disturbed that man's nest. God went in there. Job lost his family. Job lost all his animals, all his servants. I mean, his house is crumbled. Job lost it all. I mean, that's lower than low. One day he was sitting on the mountaintop, and the next day he was in the desert. The man had boils all over his body. If it wasn't enough that he lost it all, he suffered physically. God disturbed his nest. He lost it all. But in Job 19.25, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. What Job is in fact saying is God has the final say in my life. This trouble is going to promote me. I may be uncomfortable. I may not like it. But I know God is using it to push me to a new level. The story goes on to say that his friend said, man, Job, just curse God and die. Be done with it, man. And Job never once cursed God. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had had before. God used that adversity to give him double. Don't be surprised if, like with Job, when you get comfortable, when you get everything figured out, if God doesn't stir the nest. It's not to harm us, it's to push you. God has new levels, more favor, more influence. His dreams for your life are bigger than you can ever imagine. Every time I know in my life I've seen a major life change, it's because I was pushed by God. Every time something happens in my life and the nest starts stirring, I know something greater is on the horizon. Does it mean it's easy or no? I remember when I was 20, I would have been probably about 21 years old, 22 years old. I was working at a church in Minnesota that I went and did some schooling at. And uh, it was a massive church. There were 4,000 people. And I was in a program there, and I was helped lead the program, and then the program ended. And I was like, oh, Lord, what am I going to do now with my life? And the church brought me on as a kids person. Um, they were kids pastors, and then I was uh, under the kids pastors helping them, me and another guy. And we were going along, and I was doing kids ministry part-time. I was doing front desk receptionist at the church full-time, and I was doing custodial part-time. So I was making money and working at a church and loving God. And I'm like, Lord, I can do this forever. And about eight months into that process, my kids' pastors I was working under, they were let go from the church. They brought on an older couple because they were a little young. And when the older couple came on, I was, I was ready to leave. And the church, they asked me to stay. They are like, stay for the transition. Just stay, help these people. They're going to need to know who's who and what's going on. And so I told the church, I was like, I, I guess I'll, I got nothing else going right now. I'll stay. And I got comfortable again for about four more months. And about four months into it, I just, I had a revelation. Things weren't going right. I mean, the place I was living, it was all messed up and stuff was going wrong. And I'm like, Lord, why didn't I listen and leave four months ago? And I ended up stepping away from that, from that opportunity. I ended up moving home, packing up my little car. And I drove from Minnesota to Colorado all by myself. And I remember going, okay, Lord, now what? (laughs) What are you going to do? And as soon as I got home, I had a father who said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to wait on the Lord. And he said, no, you're not. You're going to get a job. And I said, okay, Dad. <laughs> and, you know, I, I got home, and I was comfortable. I was home. My mom had her little boy home, one of her little boys. 
and she was happy and I was happy. And I, my dad gave me a couple weeks to not look for a job. So I was like, man, this is it. I'm sleeping in every day. I don't, they feed me here. I don't got to buy anything. I'm like, this is the life. And then about two weeks into it, my father had had enough of me sleeping in every day and not doing anything. And he goes, you're going to get a job or you're gone. And it just so happens it was God's timing because the night we had this conversation, a church called me and I ended up moving a week later. So it was, it was God's timing for me to not stay comfortable. And God changes, God moves people in and out of your life. The people I did ministry with that I thought I would forever do ministry with, they actually live down in Fort Worth. We visited them this weekend. Their daughter calls me uncle. I was there when she was born. God moves people around, but they come full circle. God blesses it. God was pushing me to my destiny. If those people would have stayed and played as kid pastors and I would have stayed doing all that work and getting a lot of money, (laughs) but it's not always worth the money. That would have stunted my growth. I would not be Pastor Josh here at Burke Burnett Assembly of God here in Burke Burnett, the River Assembly of God here in Burke Burnett. I would not be here today if God would not have stirred my nest multiple times. In the Bible, the prophet Samuel had spent years mentoring King Saul. This prophet poured into Saul time and time again. He loved him so much, but unfortunately Saul would do what was wrong. Paul would do not, well, sorry. Saul would not do what was right. God told Samuel he was going to take the throne away from Saul. Samuel was heartbroken. He felt that he had wasted all that time pouring into Saul. In 1 Samuel 16.1, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. What God is saying is... Quit being depressed over who walked away. Stop being sad over what did not work out. If they were supposed to stay, they would have stayed. I found a new man, one of the sons and Jesse's, going anointed to be king. Stop living where you're living at. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Move on. God will take you to the next place through that circumstance. If you stop being discouraged over what did not happen, who left past failures, God will send the right opportunities ahead. But as long as you are complaining about what did not work, you will get stuck there. When you accept it and you step out, you will not only be pushed to a new level, but the David will show up. God's promise will show up in your life. For over 12 plus years now, I've done ministry. Not everywhere has been as comfortable as when I was in Minnesota, and not everywhere will be. But I learned now that when God tends to stir the pot in my life, I tend to look for the David around me to help me fulfill my time and destiny where I'm at. Look for the David around you to fulfill what you're doing so you can move on to the next step. It wasn't easy. I was like a bird in a nest. I had to venture out all alone. But God does not send the trouble. God does not send the trouble. But God will use difficulty to push us into our destiny. Today I'm standing here because God provoked me through my circumstances and brought me to this destiny. In 1976, there was a gentleman by the name of Steve Jobs. Everybody knows who Steve Jobs is, for the most part. He was the co-founder of Apple Inc. The company grew, but in 1984, a disagreement with the board of directors and Steve Jobs, there was disagreement with the board of directors, and Steve Jobs was thrown out of the company. Steve Jobs went out and started a company called Nex which he then renamed to be Pixar. 
1997, Apple was bankrupt. They needed Pixar's help in technology. Steve Jobs was brought back as the CEO of Apple. He saw his circumstances as a push to fulfill his destiny. God will move you out, but he'll bring you back in if that's where you need to be. Amen? Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you went through a bad breakup. Business didn't work out for you. You lost your job. There's trouble in your life. Your breakthrough is getting long. The enemy is going to work out for you harm, but God is going to use that for good. God did, now, did not allow it to stop you, but God allowed it to push you. Like Steve Jobs, you're going to come out stronger, healthier, increased, and better off than you were before. The second group, of, the second group that pushed us to provoke to our purpose is loved ones. God uses our loved ones to thrust us to our destiny. In life, we all want to have the greatest support from our friends or from close family. How many of you in your family, one word can instantly raise you up and you're happy, and another word from your family member can instantly push you down, right? It's that simple. Most often, your family, though, are the ones, your loved ones are the ones that hurt you the most. I want to tell you that those are the times God uses to birth out some great treasures in our life. In 1 Samuel, we find the story of Elkanah. Elkanah, I'm going to use that name, Elkanah. He had two wives. One was Hannah, which meant grace and favor. And the name of the other one was Panina, which meant jewel, ruby, or precious stone. Hannah was barren with no children. When Elkanah gave out portions, he gave to Panina and her children children portions. But to Hannah, he always gave a double portion. I am no way am encouraging to have two wives. This is back in Bible days. And I just, I'm throwing that out there. We're using the story, but I'm not promoting two wives whatsoever, okay? Okay. Just clearing it up. (laughs) To Hannah, he always gave a double portion. Hannah was satisfied with the circumstances because she knew that he favored her the most. She had Elkanah's attention, affection, and everything was going to be fine. Hannah was blessed, favored, and graced, but on the other side, Hannah was barren, fruitless, and non-productive. God had destined Hannah for a greater purpose. God started putting her through the difficult path of insult. Out of nowhere, Penina starts to provoke Hannah over her barrenness. All of a sudden, Hannah is provoked in her spirit, and she is disturbed over the fact that she is barren. Elkanah tries to comfort her, But Hannah has been awakened. She has become dissatisfied and discontent with things things the way they are. And now the frustration and insult change into a desire for more. Hannah begins to realize there's more than this. I was created for something more. The point is, Hannah had more in her, but she was satisfied with little. And it took somebody as close as her husband's next wife to provoke it out of her. Sometimes it takes our loved ones to provoke God's best out of us. Hannah was bitten, bitter, burdened. She went to the temple, fasted, and prayed. God heard her in due time, blessed her with a son called Samuel. Samuel is one of the greatest, greatest prophets to ever walk the earth. And he came out of Hannah's womb because somebody provoked her to cry out to God. Remember what I told you about Paniah, which means jewel or precious stone, ruby? In other words, what I'm saying is that the most valuable one in Hannah's life was the one that provoked her to cry out to God for more, and it happened. There's people in here who have been like Hannah. You've been provoked by your friends. You've been provoked by your loved ones. 
Every word goes inside of you like a sword. But don't give up. God is using those provocations to thrust you to your purpose. I am not the man of God I am today because the world had been good to me. I've seen great insult and provocations in my life. But thank God it brought brought a destiny out of me. There are ministries, songs, books, gifts, and talents springing up out of you. There are anointing dreams and visions that are locked up in your belly. And God is here to open your spiritual womb. There's something about God that hates to see waste. God is disturbed when he sees so much potential lying dormant and going to waste. There was a story in the Bible about Nehemiah when they had to build up the walls. And the, and the Bible tells us that while the people were rebuilding the walls of their city, they faced criticism from other tribes and other people. They were mocked and ridiculed all the time, but it's amazing that half the wall was built during the time of when they were being rocked and ridiculed the quickest. What does that mean? Criticism, provocation, and insult are the ones that give the child of God the push to your destiny. So look for that push. Don't turn away and shy away from it. There was a story about a man centuries ago, and this man failed in his business at the age of 22. He lost everything. His his business failed. That same year, he ran for the legislature and was defeated in 1833. Once again, he failed at the business he went after again. In 1836, he he was said to have suffered a nervous breakdown. In 1838, he lost in an effort to become Speaker of the House and the State Legislature. Five years later, he ran for Congress. Again, it was in vain. In 1846, he ran for Congress and he won only to lose his re-election bid the next two years. He ran for the Senate in 1854 and lost. He ran for the vice presidential nomination in 1856 and lost that too. All the while, through the businesses and through the running and through the losing, all his family said, didn't give up, you can't do it. He was rocked, he was ridiculed, he was mocked. I mean, they're just, just find something else that you're good at because you're not good at any of this, is what they told him. He never gave up, and in 1860, he became the 16th president of the United States, and his name was Abraham Lincoln. Don't quit when people criticize you and demoralize you. Continue to do what God has called you to do in spite of your circumstances. Don't stop. The third one this morning that God uses to take us to our purpose is is the enemy. God even uses the enemy to thrust us to our destiny. In Psalms 27, 11, it says, Teach me the way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. I'm going back to the story of David again, and I love the story of David. Because for those of you who don't know the story of David, he was anointed young as a king. He was a shepherd, a bunch of brothers and sisters, and God chose him. And even after he was anointed king... His dad sent them back out to be the shepherd. I mean, he wasn't king. Even though he was anointed, he didn't get any money right then and there. He didn't take a place at a throne. They were just like, hey, man, you're the future king, God said. And he was like, sweet. And he went back out and took care of sheep. And the cool thing about David is while he was watching his sheep, his father called him in one day and he said, you need to take some money to your brothers who are fighting in the war. Money. You need to take some food to your brothers who are fighting in the war. So David grabbed the food and grabbed his stuff and he headed out to where the war was happening to feed his brothers. 
As David reached the camp, his brothers were already in the battle line. David was bold. He kept the supply aside and walked straight into the battlefield. As he was talking with his brothers, a Philistine named Goliath stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. David was confident and bold. He was provoked in his spirit by the enemy's challenge. I like David's response here in the Bible where he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David took up the challenge and killed Goliath just with a slight, with a sling and a stone. Soon King Saul appointed him, him as a soldier. The provocation of the enemy brought a king out of a shepherd boy. See, he was anointed king, but that didn't change anything other than him being soaked in oil. It's when he killed Goliath that he took the stand as a man, and he started building that reputation that would make him a great king one day. We're all children of God in here. And, and we're, all, we're all here for a purpose, but it's going to take something stirred up in us to get us to to get to that purpose where God wants us. There's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar asked them to serve his gods and worship the image of gold. The enemy provoked them to do wrong. These men were very bold. They never bowed down to foreign gods and accepted the punishment. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he ordered them to be thrown into a blazing furnace. And Daniel tells us that the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who opened the door to the furnace to throw them in. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of God. They went and bound, and they came out loose. When you boldly and courageously stand for Jesus, he is there with you in the midst of your enemies. Daniel 3.30 tells us, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. So not only did they get to come out of the furnace because they weren't burning anyways, and God showed up at that moment and was actually walking around with them. When they came out, they were promoted to a better status. See, sometimes we get so nervous and so worried about being locked up and about people putting us in a box that we forget that when we're in the box, God's in the box with us. When you're in the pit, God's in the pit. We don't serve a God that looks above us and looks down at us and go, man, that stinks. I'm sorry. We serve a God that when we fall to our knees, he's there to pick us up and shake us off and give us a pat on the bottom and move us up like we do with our kids. And when God God picks you up and when God moves you out, if you accept that and you accept what just happened and you say, okay, God, I'm glad this happened, what's going to come of it? God will promote you to another level. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have came out of that furnace, I I'm a firm believer they could have came out of that furnace and they could have went to all their friends and been like, you see what God did for us? We're cool. Man, I'm cool. I'm like a superhero now. But they came out of that furnace and Nebuchadnezzar promoted them and they did great things in Babylon for God. In Acts 8, I love the book of Acts, and in Acts 8 is when the persecution of the church started. See, after Jesus ascended into heaven and the disciples started preaching the word, everybody was in Jerusalem and everybody was having church and everybody was having a good time. 
they were all meeting together for their services, and I'm, I'm pretty confident. I mean, there's one Bible story where, I'm going to forget the name now. You're going to have to help me. Was it John or Paul who was talking and the guy fell out of the window? Paul. Those disciples would preach for hours. And some guy fell out of a window and died. He fell asleep and died out of the window because they were preaching so long. I mean, they were loving church. They would just show up and have church. And I'm not saying I'm going to preach for three hours this morning because I can't. I can't go on that long, not without a puppet or something. But I'm saying that they enjoyed their church. They were comfortable in their church. And what happened is, is as Acts continues to roll on, the church is happening in Jerusalem, but that's where it's happening. It's just in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, go out into all the nations. And there were some disciples who went out. But the people were so content in their seats, in their, in, their, in their upper rooms, just loving God and loving on God for hours on end, that they were content. And what happened is, is in Acts 8, persecution starts to happen. And when persecution happens, people are being killed for their faith. People can't have church anymore. And what happens? They start to spread to find areas to do it in. Persecution came to Jerusalem and the church spread like a wildfire all over the area. It went out to all those other countries that Jesus told them to go and preach. They had to go at that point. They couldn't keep doing it in Jerusalem. I say all that to say that we get so comfortable in church and we're like, God, use us here, use us here. But yeah, there's places for for God to use you here, but he wants to use you outside these four walls. This is a little bit of a side note. We were reading something. My wife was reading me something this week because whenever we drive anywhere, I drive and she Facebook reads stories. And um, there was a pastor, his pastor. She doesn't know what story I'm talking about, so I got to get more into it. But there was a pastor and he was apologizing to his church or in a newsletter that um, for the Christians who are being killed right now, by ISIS or whatever you want to call it, the persecution that's coming to America that he didn't prepare his people for it. Well, I'm sorry. If if the city that Jesus did ministry in, if they were persecuted and they had to scatter, they were going to die, we're we're not always going to be comfortable in America. I don't apologize for saying that, but we gotten so used to the comfort of of everything around us. We've gotten so used to just coming to church and loving God and loving people and nothing ever happening. But God's saying, if you're not going to get out there and do something, he's going to let conflict happen. We were never promised no persecution for our belief. And when persecution happens, that's when God can use us even further. Me and my wife were talking and I, I made the comment to her yesterday in the car. I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, I would... I say this now, but I, a martyr's death is okay with me. I mean, what was good for the 12, why wouldn't it be good enough for me? She made the comment that I won't even go to El Salvador because I like my recliner and my air conditioner and my TV. But hey, a martyr's death is okay with me. God didn't promise us forever peace. The peace is an eternal peace you get by connecting with him. 
It's not a physical peace that's always going to be around you. In Acts 8, they were told, don't be destroyed, or don't be dismayed. If they would have stayed in Jerusalem, they wouldn't have reached their highest potential. Maybe Jerusalem had to close up for them to speak. A bad break, a disappointment, a betrayal, whatever you want to call it. Don't be discouraged. When God closes your Jerusalem, a Samaria opens up for you to witness in. When God closes where you're at, there's always going to be somewhere to go. Amen? Morgan, you want to come up here, and if you will. Circumstances, loved ones, and our enemy. These are all things God will use to provoke us to our purpose. See, some of us in here, we're like, we think our purpose, we've, we've, we're at our purpose. We're doing what God's called us to do. We're happy where we're at, but really, there's so much more. 99% of the time, men of God who tell me that they've reached their purpose five or ten years down the road, God shakes them up a little bit and something greater comes out of their ministry. See, the thing is, is we serve a God that has so much purpose to pull out of us that it never stops. You can be 100 years old and God can still be using you for your purpose on this world. So why would he stop at 35? Why would he stop in your 40s or your 50s? God is constantly working in our lives to push us to the purpose we were created for. Now, me and my wife, we don't have any kids yet, but we have a lot of people around us who have kids and are having kids. And, and the thing I like about the baby, I, when a baby is in the womb, it is very comfortable. Food is taken care of. They don't have to do anything. They get carried around all day. They can sleep when they want. Those of you who have been mothers, they play whenever they want to. (laughs) They do whatever they want. For a season, it's good. The baby's growing. The baby's maturing. Well, that's where he's supposed to be for that season. But if he stays in the womb too long, instead of being a blessing, the womb will become a curse for the baby. It's too small for him to grow. It will keep him from his destiny. He has to give out, get out. Birth is not easy for the baby. But that is the process of life. In life, if you have to reach your full potential, God sometimes uses our circumstances, friends, and enemies to thrust us to our destiny. Every difficulty you have been through, every bad break, every person that did you wrong, that was not meant to stop you. It was meant to push you, to mature you. God uses circumstances that that are tough or provocation of loved ones or sometimes even our enemies to thrust us to new levels of our life. See, we're a baby. I'm not calling you derogatorily a baby, but 
as Christians, we're babies. As Christians, we get comfortable. As Christians, we like our church seat. As Christians, we like our jobs. As Christians, we like our friends we go to church with. As Christians, we like everything right here in our circle. But if the baby stays in the womb too long, it begins to cause problems. Birth has to happen. Growing pains have to happen or you can't get to your destiny. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 945 for Sunday school and at 1030 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burgrenette, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.